0: Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then... I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me.
1: Thank you. Over to Joe, who's going to bring God's word to us. Uh, Well, uh, good morning once again. Um, It would be good uh, to start with a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, Thank you that we have uh, your word in front of us, in our Bibles, in our own languages. Uh, And Father, we pray that this morning we might hear your word and that we might understand it. Uh, that by your spirit uh, you would open our eyes uh, to see uh, your truth, to see the truth, uh, to behold the Lord Jesus. Uh, And, Father, we pray that we would leave here this morning uh, knowing you better, uh, loving you more, being better equipped uh, to serve you and serve your people. Uh, And we ask that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, well, friends, it's a strange thing uh, to live overseas. Uh, we've been here in Portugal now for five years, and we've worked hard to adapt to the culture and context in which we now live. Uh, so we've learned how to appreciate espressos, uh, those little coffees. Uh, we've adopted the more relaxed attitude there is towards time, uh, and we've become more Latino in our greetings. So handshakes are out, hugs and kisses are in, so watch out when we're next back in the UK. Uh, But what's been really interesting is that even though we've embraced the Portuguese culture, at the same time we've become a bit more nostalgic about the UK. Uh, So we remember fondly the red double-decker buses. Uh, We remember the delicious garden centre English breakfast uh, we had uh, with my parents. We remember the beautiful National Trust footpaths we used to go on. And of course we remember and miss proper English cups of tea. Well, perhaps it should come as no surprise then that when The Crown was released on Netflix a few years ago, we watched it with delight. Uh, For those of you who haven't seen it, The Crown is a historical drama about the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, Though the director has obviously taken artistic liberty a lot of the time, it's nevertheless interesting to see how, upon being crowned the Queen, young Elizabeth still has to learn what that meant and looked like in practice. Uh, So over the course of the three seasons that have been made so far, we've seen her grow into her role, working out what being Queen entails, discovering what her responsibilities and duties are, understanding what mindset she is to have. Uh, And if you've seen the show, you'll know that's precisely what happens. For although there was no difference in her status from the day of her coronation to the day she celebrated her Silver Jubilee, which comes at the end of season three, it's clear that she's certainly become a lot more queen-like by then. That is, she's become the person she already was. Uh, Well, this morning we're back in the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian Christians, aren't we? Uh, And it's a letter that's oozing with joy. Uh, Joy because of gospel proclamation. Joy because of gospel service. Joy because of gospel love. And supremely joy because of gospel partnership. Paul clearly loves his Philippian brothers and sisters with a deep affection and he writes to them not to tear them down but to build them up to strengthen them to encourage them in their faith to keep going Uh, but more than that he writes to them so that they would increasingly become the people they already are Uh, have another look down at verse 12 uh, with me verse 12 says therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. That's what Paul's saying here. That's what he's longing for them to do. He wants them to work out their salvation. Uh, now, before we unpack what that means, it's worth remembering what Paul's just been saying. You see, back in chapter 1, verse 27, he he told the Philippians that they should strive to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And I know that last week you looked with Jake at what that meant in practice. So you saw that living in a manner worthy of the gospel uh, means pursuing unity with one another. And you saw it means having the same attitude, the same humble attitude as that of Christ. Christ who made himself nothing And humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross but it didn't end there did it so so chapter 2 verses 9 to 11 which comes just before our section we read that God then exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father you see we have to understand that Before we get to verse 12, Uh, we have to understand that Jesus is the risen and reigning Lord, the one to whom all people will one day bow, whether in joy or in anguish. Uh, And it's because of that that we read the words in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, given everything I've just said, uh, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling work out your salvation. Uh, Now, before we start wondering whether Paul has lost the plot and is now preaching a gospel of works, which he isn't, uh, it's worth noting what Paul doesn't say. You see, he doesn't say that they're to work for their salvation, uh, nor does he tell them to work towards their salvation. No, quite the opposite. He he tells them to work out their salvation, their salvation that they already have. Uh, Think back to the crown. Uh, At Elizabeth's coronation, she became the queen. But even though that was an objective fact, a reality, if you like, she still had to figure out what that meant in practice, something which took time and hard work. And it's the same for Christians. We don't strive and toil to gain our salvation, for salvation is a free gift of God through Jesus Christ. It doesn't depend on what we do, but on what Jesus has done. Uh, But it's because of that, because we've been saved, that here in verse 12, Paul tells us to strive and toil so that we might become what we are, reflect the beliefs we profess, live a life in obedience to our calling. Now, I imagine this sounds rather good, doesn't it? Uh, Of course, we want to become what we already are. The thing is, you don't have to have been a Christian for very long to realise that working out our salvation in practice is really rather difficult. Uh, Indeed, by ourselves, it's impossible. But there's good news here. Uh, You see, Paul isn't saying that though we've been saved by the grace of God, we now have to persevere by our own works in our own strength. Uh, I know that's what some have argued, uh, most recently the advocates of the new perspectives on Paul, but, but it's nonsense. It's not true. It really is just another version of the gospel of works, which isn't a gospel at all. So what then? How is it that we're able to work out our salvation Well, verse 12 again, that verse 12, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In the crown, time and time again, we see the queen pretty much alone trying to work out what she should do. Now, of course, she has help. She has a private secretary who she can ask for advice. She has her own mother. She has her husband. But nevertheless, it can be a lonely role. But friends, we're not alone as we work out our salvation. We have some help for God is working with us. In fact, it's better than that. God is working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That's amazing. You see, all too often we lack the will to do what we know to be right. Or at other times, even though we may will it, we still find ourselves unable to do it. Uh, so, for example, there are times when I don't really want to be patient with the kids. After all, they don't deserve it. <laughs> then again, there are other times when I want to, but I just can't. I don't have it in me. That's why the gospel is such good news. For God doesn't just leave us to get on with working out our salvation by ourselves, nor does he simply help us a bit. No, he works in us so that we would will to do what is right and have the ability to then carry it out. Friends, this is really important. Uh, It's not that God is helping those who help themselves. Uh, That's something that many Portuguese people over here seem to think. But it's not true. You see, the thing is, and the whole Bible's clear about it. We can't help ourselves. Without God, we're dead in our sins. We're lost in a broken world. We're under God's wrath. But the good news of the gospel is that God helps those who can't help themselves, which is all of us. And he works in them in order to fulfill his good purpose. Uh, I don't know how the past week has been for you. Uh, I can tell you that just trying to follow the news in the UK uh, with different tiers for different zones, different rules for different people, different opinions between different parties, the whole Manchester and 10 Downing Street fiasco, the whole thing is utterly exhausting. And I'm not even there. Every week is an unknown. But the wonder of the gospel is that if you're trusting in Jesus, then no matter whatever else is going on in your life, no matter how uncertain everything seems, no matter how tired you may feel, you can nevertheless be absolutely confident of your salvation, because it doesn't depend on your works, it depends on Jesus's. Moreover, even though you're called to work out your salvation, which does involve effort, toil, labor, you aren't in it alone. God's working in you to that end. And it's precisely because he's working in you that should motivate you to work. Do you see? Uh, The incentive to work hard at the Christian life, the incentive to work out your salvation is precisely because God has saved you and God's working in you. You see, this isn't a call to let go and let God. It's a call to work, but to work in a way that fully rests and relies on God's work in you and through you. Isn't that a relief? Uh, Doesn't that fill your hearts with joy this morning? It does with mine. Uh, Well, having taught the general principle that Christians are to work out their salvation, Paul then goes on to make three concrete points about what this looks like in practice. Uh, And the first point he makes is this. Work out your salvation with a godly attitude. Work out your salvation with a godly attitude. Uh, Verse 14, Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, as Paul explains what working out their salvation looks like in practice, it's interesting. He doesn't focus on a specific action they need to do, but on a specific attitude they need to have. An attitude that will make us stand out from those outside the church. An attitude that will be countercultural. An attitude that will lead us to becoming blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. Now friends, surely that's what we want, isn't it? Well then, we need to do some things without grumbling or arguing. Is that right? No, verse 14, we need to do most things without grumbling or arguing. Is that right? No, (laughs) it's not. It's not that we need to do some things or even most things. Verse 14 says, we need to do everything without grumbling or arguing. Whoa! (laughs) Uh, Friends, if if you remember what you saw last week, you all know that this ties in with that. Uh, Paul's already urged them to pursue unity through humility, uh, and he's shown them the supreme example of that, the Lord Jesus. Uh, But now he's being more specific, for living in unity with humility will mean there's no grumbling or arguing. Now, I, I don't know about how you feel about that, because it may feel like Paul is asking you to give up your national identity. For complaining about things seems to be a great British trait, doesn't it? And before you get offended, it's also a great Portuguese trait. I imagine it's a worldwide trait. I mean, we, certainly the British, we complain about everything. So it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry, it's too windy, it's too dark, and that's just the weather. I haven't even mentioned COVID or Brexit, (laughs) Uh, nor have I mentioned complaining and grumbling about the church. Now, obviously that doesn't mean that legitimate concerns shouldn't be aired with the appropriate people. Uh, Of course they should, of course they should. But complaining or grumbling, whining or moaning are really very dangerous traits that undermine the church leadership, damage the church unity, and bring the gospel into disrepute. So let me ask you, are you working out your salvation with a godly attitude? Are you avoiding grumbling and moaning? I know that with all that's going on at the moment, it's very easy to moan about church. You see, one consequence of COVID is that more and more churches are having to have online meetings Now, there are obviously some positive things about that. Uh, So one Guardian article that I read in May suggested that one in four British people had tuned in to an online church service since the lockdown began. Now, if that's even close to being true, praise the Lord. That's wonderful. Uh, But the thing is, there are also disadvantages, aren't there? And one disadvantage is, is that we'll start to look at how other churches are doing things and we'll feel dissatisfied with our own. Uh, Here in Queen Mother, in Portugal, we uh, belong to a church with about 35 members. Uh, And when we went into lockdown, it was really hard to know what to do. Uh, I was one of the most technically knowledgeable people in the church, which, as Dan will tell you, that is a worrying thing, a worrying state for the church to be in. Uh, I I was pretty much lost. How do we best serve our brothers and sisters? Uh, Do we prioritize the spiritual well-being of our members Or do we go for a deliberately more evangelistic approach? Do we go for a pre-recorded service, all nicely blended together, which will be more attractive? Or do we go for the slightly more chaotic but relational meeting on Zoom? (laughs) Uh, What do we do uh, for, for those who don't have a computer or access to the internet? What do we do about the music? What about the singing? Well, in the end, we decided to go for the more relational but chaotic approach. Everything apart from the music was live. The microphones were used were the ones built into our laptops. Uh, and there were many moments where the technology failed. We had to burn DVDs of the services, uh, which we then dropped around to people without a computer. Uh, and the church had a lot to moan about, I'm sure. Uh, moreover, since we've gone back now to meeting physically in the church building, we're now trying to live stream it, which has a number of other complications to it. The quality is not great. Uh, It's not like you're watching a video. It's really grainy. You can just about hear the sound. But it's been hard work getting there. Well, friends, the church has loads that they can complain about. But do you know what? They didn't. They really didn't. They were just so grateful that we could carry on meeting, even if it was virtually. They didn't care that if there was another church around the corner doing everything a lot more professionally. They didn't care that there were better preachers that they could find somewhere on the internet, that they were prayerful and they were patient with the decisions that we made. And I thank God for them. What about you? Do you have a godly attitude as you work out your salvation? Are you content in any and every situation as Paul will later tell the Philippians he is? Paul remembers in prison, that's worse than being in a tier three lockdown and yet he's cheerful. He's joyful. He's full of love for his brothers and sisters. He's not moaning. What about us? Well, that's the first point Paul makes. Work out your salvation with a godly attitude. Secondly, then, Paul says that we should work out our salvation as a godly witness. Verse 14 again. uh, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Uh, Paul has taken the expression, shining like stars in the sky from Daniel 12. And it refers to God's people who will cause many to turn to God through their life and witness. And that's what's going on here. Uh, Through having a godly attitude, through standing out from the culture, through being blameless and pure, uh, through having a godly testimony, Christians are to shine as a light in a dark world, showing the world how good it is to follow Jesus, drawing people into the joy that there is in living in the light. Uh, How do they do that? Well, by godly living and by holding fast to the word of life and holding it out for all to see. Uh, Friends, are you shining like a star in the confused and broken world we live in? I know that Jeanette Laws is, if you can see her, she has her jumper on with lots of stars. She's a, a perfect visual aid for these verses. Are you shining like stars in the confused and broken world we live in? At, at the moment, there is so much complaining going on. There's so much fear. There's so much frustration. Are you, if you're trusting Jesus, are you living differently from the people around you? Can other people see the hope that you have in Jesus Christ as they speak to you about the lockdown, about the social distancing, about their fears for the future? Does your life point to the beauty of the gospel or does it conflict with it? Uh, Do you joyfully and confidently speak of the reason for the certain hope that you have in Jesus? Uh, Are you not only shining as a star, but are you holding out to them the word of life? I, I know that these questions are not easy ones but they are important. I know that COVID-19 seems to be pretty much all that anyone thinks about and talks about at the moment, but we have to remember as Christians that there is something far worse out there than coronavirus, something far more deadly, something far more prevalent, and we have the remedy. I confess it saddens me to think that there are some Christians out there who have forgotten that. Uh, They've forgotten that Christians haven't been called to live a risk-free life. They've been called to work out their salvation faithfully, with a godly attitude and as a godly witness, even during a global pandemic. So the question is, are we doing that? Yes, it's hard not to turn inwards on ourselves and be absorbed by our own cares and worries at a time like this. Yes, it's hard to get alongside colleagues and friends and share the gospel with them now that we work from home, now that we have to be socially distant, now that we have to wear masks, but nevertheless, we must do it. Even if we can't leave our home, we must be thinking creatively, both as a church, but also as individuals about how we can serve and reach those around us with the word of life. I am not the only missionary in the Zoom call. If you're a Christian, you are too. You're a missionary where you are. Uh, friends, if you discovered a vaccine or a cure for COVID-19, you would want the whole world to know. You'd be shouting out, there's a way to avoid getting COVID. There's a cure that I have right here. Don't die needlessly. Come and be saved. The truth is we have something so much better than that. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's shine as lights in this dark world. Let's hold out to our friends the word of life, the word that promises life, the word that gives life, life to the full, life eternal. I think that's the second point Paul wants to make here. Work out your salvation as a godly witness. Well, thirdly then, uh, and far more briefly, work out your salvation in glad and godly worship. Have a look down to verse 16. Paul says, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. It would be easy for Paul to be feeling rather sad. After all, he's in prison at the moment with a lot of uncertainty about his future. And yet he's glad and rejoices with the Philippian Christians, and he longs for them to be glad and rejoice with him. But why? Especially when he's just talked about being poured out like a drink offering, something which hardly seems particularly fun. Uh, Well, well, it it will help us if we remember what the drink offering was. You see, in the Old Testament, the drink offering was something that always accompanied a larger sacrifice, the main sacrifice, and it complemented it. In and of itself, the drink offering was nothing, but when offered with the main sacrifice, it completed it. And that's what's going on here. You see, Paul's service and ministry to the Philippians is the drink offering, whereas the Philippians' service coming from their faith is the main sacrifice, verse 17. Uh, So Paul's saying that he's only too glad to suffer, to die even, if in doing so, He's helping the Philippians to faithfully serve and worship God wholeheartedly, sacrificially and enduringly. You see, Paul lived to serve. He longed to see others built up in their faith. He was never seeking the glory for himself, but he was willing to spend himself on others so that they would spend their life in glad and godly worship. Well, friends, who does that remind you of? In fact, who does this whole passage remind you of? Someone who lived fully in accordance with who they were, never failing, never stumbling, never giving in sin and temptation. Uh, Someone who had a godly attitude to everything that came his way, never grumbling, never moaning, always content. Uh, Someone who shined like a star in a dark world, holding out the word of life to those in darkness because he himself was that life. Someone who spent himself fully for the sake of others, humbling himself to death, even death on a cross. Do you see what's going on here? This whole section, everything here, points us to Jesus. You see, Jesus shows us in his life and in his death what it means to work out our salvation. He shows us what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. It won't be easy, for it involves effort it involves standing out from the crowd, it involves sacrifice. But it's something so very wonderful for it's to walk in the footsteps that Jesus walked, to have the mindset of Jesus, to imitate the example of Jesus. And that is something that the Lord delights in. And it's something that we should rejoice in too. And it's something we need to work out in our lives. So why don't we pray? Why don't we close in prayer and pray that the Lord would do that in our lives this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, once again for your word, your word that is life, your word that brings life. Heavenly Father, we thank you that if we're trusting in Jesus, then because of his death for us on the cross 2,000 years ago, we have been saved, we have been justified, we're righteous in your sight. Lord we long to work out the salvation that we have and um, Lord we long to do that in your strength Father we long to do that with a godly attitude without grumbling and complaining and moaning but in, with contentment uh, we long to do that as a godly witness in the world showing our family and our friends and our neighbours how good the gospel is how wonderful Jesus is and we long to spend our lives in worship of you, in glad and joyful worship of you, not just on Sundays, but on every day of the week. So Father, I pray that you would help us this week to do that. Please, would you plant, implant your word deep into our hearts this morning? And please, would you equip us to better live for you this week? We ask that with much thanksgiving in our hearts this morning, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. amen praise the lord i'm going to hand over to sue who recently joined the world church group she's going to lead us in prayer